Well, I am fairly well convinced that Christmas time, there's kind of this weird time vortex that happens. See, what happens is one day it is October 30th, and I'm complaining because you go to Target, you go to places like that, and they're starting to put out Christmas stuff. I'm going, come on, it's not even Christmas time yet. But I swear I wake up the next morning, and it is December 15th, and Christmas is next week. So we drive ourselves crazy. We're rushing to get everything taken care of. We're buying presents. We are sending Christmas cards or forgetting to send Christmas cards. Um, We are decorating the house. We're baking cookies. We're watching movies. We're looking at Christmas lights, trying to squeeze all of this stuff in before December 24th or December 25th rolls around. Now, we know in the church that Christmas um, is about the birth of Jesus, but we get so wrapped up in getting all this other stuff done and all the, like we talked about last year, kind of the trappings of Christmas. We get so wrapped up in that, we forget to actually celebrate the birth of Jesus until we are flying into the parking lot and dashing into the Christmas Eve service 15 minutes late. Well, that's one big reason why I really like this season of Advent. It's a season of intentional preparation. We take the time to tell the story of his birth. We, we spend each Sunday focusing on a different aspect of kind of like what does the birth of Jesus mean? What does the birth of Jesus um, bring to us? So the first week we studied about hope. And we remember that his birth was the realization of the hope of Israel. And it was his promise that as he said he would come again, that he actually will. Well, the second week was the week of peace. We remember that in a chaotic world, Jesus' birth gives us peace. And last week we talked about the angels and we joined our voices together with the angels that the peace is not only that, you know, calming, peaceful time in the midst of the storm, but the peace that is actually the more important peace is this peace that we have with God that has restored our relationship with him. Well, this week we're going to talk about joy. And we're going to look at the people who received that message. Because remember, the angels didn't just proclaim to the broad earth, hey, peace on earth, all that good stuff. But they actually found these shepherds and they shared this message of joy with the shepherds. So we're going to look today at those shepherds and and what happened to them and the joy that they experienced that night. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bible with you, whether it is a physical Bible like this one or a digital one, or you can find the words on the screen behind me in just a moment. We are going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at 8 through 20, some familiar words. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if you have heard me preach a sermon or two, or if we've had ever kind of a, a been, been in a class, or if we, we've shared a, a conversation about the Bible or about life, uh, you may have noticed that there are two questions um, which I tend to ask a lot. One of them, you know, when we have these deep conversations is, okay, well, what, what would that look like in your life? Someone says to me, um, I believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. And I say, great, I agree with you. But what does that look like in your life? What difference does that make in the way that you live? What, what difference does that make? How does that cause you to live differently than someone who does not believe such a thing? How does that cause you to treat people? Well, the second question is related to that first, is, is kind of a springboard off of that first one. So the first one is, what would that look like in your life? The second one is, of course, now what? See, I love having these deep theoretical, theological conversations with people um, looking at things like worship and, and what do we do and how do we do that and how could we do that differently or thinking about the kingdom of God and what God might be calling us to do as a church or me to do as a person. And we come up with these, these grand big ideas that sound really neat. But if we want these ideas to materialize at some point, if we want them to become more than just wasn't that an interesting conversation, then we need to think practically and we need to have some kind of an action plan. Okay, now what? What are, what are we going to do with what we've learned, with what we think? Well, something else that I do a lot when I'm, when I'm reading scripture, um, I've said this before, but, but, but something that I do a lot is when I'm looking at a passage, especially as someone telling a story, I look at the disciples or I look at an Old Testament story, you know, with David or something like that, is I will find somebody in the story and go, okay, that's who I relate to in this thing. I see myself in that way. I see myself doing these things. Sometimes it's great things and sometimes it, it's not so great things. Well, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Peter and the disciples are out on a boat. And it's this big storm, and Jesus comes walking out to them on the water. There's a couple times when Jesus walks out onto, onto the water with them. But this time, they're, they're out on the boat. He comes out, walking on the water, and, and Jesus says, it's okay, it's me. And Peter says, Lord, can I, can I come out to you? So he walks out on the water toward Jesus. And it's this amazing moment of faith, right? Nobody else on the boat did that. So there's Peter. He's trusting Jesus. He's like, I'm going to come out and I'm going to walk on the water if you will let me come. So he walks out on the water. But then what happens? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he looks around and he sees the waves. He freaks out and he starts sinking. But what's great about this story is that Jesus doesn't go, ah, seriously, Peter? No, he reaches down and he picks him up and he brings him into the boat with him. So it's this great story and I look at myself and I go, man, there's moments in my life where I feel like Peter. There's a lot of moments in my life where I feel like Peter. Sometimes it's because things are great and I'm trusting God. I'm going, wow, this is, this is a scary time. I'm not sure about this, but I want to trust God. And then there's other times where I take my eyes off of Jesus and start to sink down and start to freak out and I don't trust Jesus. Well, there's also passages of scripture when I see a person acting in a way and I go, man, I would love to be more like that person. I would love to live my life like this person does. You know, I think of the, the widow with the, uh, um, you know, the offering that she gives. You know, she gives a small offering where people would say, eh, it's really not that much. It's like two pennies. But then you find out that it was everything that she had and she trusted God completely. Or I think of this, this uh, 
this official, this, this royal official who came to Jesus in John uh, 4, 43 to 54. It's a story of this, this royal official who comes to Jesus and his son is sick at home. And he says, Jesus, will you please heal my son? Now he's probably hoping that Jesus is gonna say, great, let's go. We'll go off and we'll heal your son. Instead, what he says, he, he kind of gives a little lesson about you guys are looking for all these signs, but he says, okay, you know what? Your son is healed. Go home, go in peace. Now if this was me, I'm looking at it going, great, but can you come with me just in case it didn't take? But instead he takes Jesus at his word and he goes home and it's quite a journey too because you realize when he gets home, they, 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 they say, look, your son is well, he's healthy. He says, well, when did it happen? Well, it happened yesterday about one o'clock in the afternoon. So he walked miles to get to go and see Jesus and he took him at his word. He trusted Jesus. Well, if you want someone, if I want someone from Scripture to emulate, it's the shepherds. See, they heard this amazing news about Jesus, and they did something about it. And then when they went to go see the baby in the manger, they went, they went off to see the baby. They heard the news. They did something about it. They went to see the baby. Now, they could have just gone home, but instead, they did something with it. They told people about it. They didn't just enjoy it. They were changed profoundly. Well, let's think about that night, that night with, with the shepherds. So the day that Jesus was born altered the course of history for eternity, right? I mean, this is not just, you know, one of the big moments in history. This is arguably the biggest moment in history when Jesus is born. It's way, way up there. And for the shepherds, it was also a life-changing event for them as well. But, but for our shepherds, um, it really started off as just another boring night, right? They're just off in the fields. They're asleep. They're, they're living outside of Bethlehem, you know, not a big metropolitan area. So there are these small town shepherds who are living out in the fields, taking care of their sheep. They're camped out at night, okay? So they're guarding their sheep, and they've got their friends with them, and they're taking turns. Some of them are sleeping. Some of them are keeping watch so that they can be prepared for the morning. Because in the morning, what they're probably going to have to do is they're going to get up and they're going to have to move their sheep to another place because as a shepherd, your, your job is to protect them and make sure that they're fed. So they're protecting the sheep and in the morning, they're going to take them off to a place where there's some more feed for them to have. The way that I would describe it is this was like an average Tuesday night right? Because Tuesday is pretty much the most normal night of the week, right? I mean, what's going on Tuesday? Maybe soccer practice, something like that. Maybe trivia night, something like that. But it's just kind of a normal, normal night. So it's Tuesday night. These guys are out in the field for just another night. But then Luke 2, 9 happens. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, later on in the story, these shepherds will be a great example of joy, will be a great example of evangelists who are going out and sharing the good news with people. But right now, what they are is they are absolutely, utterly terrified. And really for good reason. I think it's understandable why they would be terrified. The first is that, it, well, it's just plain startling. You know, I'm, I tend to overreact. Um, like if, I mean, I was getting ready, I think it was this morning, 
um, in the bathroom, and Michelle walked in, and I didn't know that she was there, and she just asked me a question, and I just jumped, right? I just, I don't know why. It's just kind of what I do. Um, so it's understandable, right? So these shepherds are out in the field, and it's late, so you got half of them sleeping, and the other half of the guys are alert, right? You know, they're paying attention for animals and things like that, and then the sky lights up, and this angel appears before them, all right? So this is a big and scary moment for just a few seconds there. And then they realize that it's an angel. Now, we tend to picture angels as like cherubs, you know, cute babies with wings and things like that, you know, or an angel with with wings and and a harp, and it's this beautiful thing, you know, floating on a cloud or something like that. But often when an angel showed up in Scripture, they came with a sword instead of a harp. An angel is a messenger of God, and fairly often that message was judgment. You remember the angel of death in Exodus, right? That was an angel. That wasn't just somebody else. That was an angel who came and did the will of God and and freed the people of Israel from Egypt by killing. So if an angel shows up in the middle of the night, you might be in for God's wrath. So this is a scary moment for these shepherds when, these, when this angel shows up until the angel speaks. Luke 2, 10 through 12. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So after the angel kind of calmed things down and said, no, I'm I'm not here to kill you. I'm not here to wipe out the city or anything like that. I actually have good news of great joy. The Savior has been born today. And there's a number of things that that they say there, right? So, So the Savior is the one who has come to save the people of Israel. He is the Messiah. He is He is Christ. So Savior and Messiah are two different things, right? So the Savior is this one who has come to save us, obviously, but the Messiah or the Christ is this anointed one of God, the chosen one of God who has been sent, the one who has been prophesied, not just a guy who's like a judge, you know, because like the judges in the Old Testament were these people who came and they, and they kicked butt, they got rid of the bad guys who were in there. This is, this is not just that. This is the Savior, but this is also the Messiah. And it says he is the Messiah, the Lord. All right, so this is, this is a big deal, the one who has come. Well, then the rest of the angels show up. Oh, and by the way, it's not just the Messiah is coming. There's other people who had heard that in the past, that the Messiah is coming. There were prophecies about that. And to have a prophecy about the Messiah coming is an amazing thing. But it's not even just that. It is that the Messiah has come. He is Christ. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. He has come this very night. Well, then the rest of the angels show up singing praises to God and sharing the message of peace and restoration. So up to this point, the shepherds are all just kind of taking it in, right? They start off asleep, and then they're terrified, and then they're amazed at the story that has been told to them. They're amazed seeing this one angel, and then the sky filled with tons and tons and tons of angels coming. Now listen to what they do with this news. Luke 2, 15 to 16. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. 
So they decided, okay, we've heard all this news. Let's, let's go see this thing that has happened. And they're filled with joy, and it says they hurried off and found Mary. Uh, the, the King James and other translations say they went with great haste. To me, I'm saying like they, they ran off to see this thing that has happened. But did you notice the words that they actually used when they spoke? They didn't just decide, okay, I guess we should go and see this. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Okay, the first thing that the shepherds did before they ran off to see what had happened was they believed. And they believed it wasn't just the word of some shepherd, the the word of some angels, it was the word of God. They didn't run off to see if it was true. They didn't go off to confirm that, that maybe it's true. They went to go see the Messiah who'd been born. Uh, just over two years ago, um, the Windsor Cummings had um, Harvey. Harvey was born. And Michelle and I got word that, that Harvey was born, so off we went um, to the hospital to go and see the baby and to bring a gift. Now, we did not go to see if Travis and Tommy were telling the truth. We didn't go to say, well, maybe the baby was born. Let's go find out. No, we went to go celebrate the great news with our friends. And that's exactly what they were doing here as well. They weren't going, well, let's go see if this is really true. Let's go see if this is. No, they're going and celebrating the fact that the Lord has told them that his Messiah has come. The theme of our Advent series is, oh, come, let us adore him. And that's exactly what the shepherds did. They believed the good news from the angels. They ran off to Bethlehem and they went to worship. They went to adore. They went to be in the presence of this newborn king. That's exactly what God is calling us to do as well. Well, the next verses, Luke 2, 17 to 18, tell us that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So they had this amazing experience, right? I mean, they're out in the fields. The, the angel shows up. The rest of the angels show up. They hear this news. They run off to see the child. Now, they could have just gone back to their normal lives, amazed, blown away by what they had just seen. Cautiously optimistic. Well, I, I, I believe this was the Messiah. He's come. Maybe talk about it with each other about this crazy experience they had. You never have one of those where you have this huge experience with people and you, just, and you talk to each other about it. And, but it was a little bit weird, so maybe you tell your family about it, but that's about it. But instead, they spread the word. They told everyone that they saw. It said, one of the translations said that they, they made known abroad. Like they went and they told everybody that they saw. Not only what they saw, but what they had been told. It wasn't just, wow, you know, we heard that there was this baby born and we saw the baby and isn't this amazing? They told everyone what they had heard and what they had seen. These shepherds really were the first missionaries. They were the first people to proclaim the good news. They were the first people to step out and go someplace else and tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. So again, I look at them kind of like when I look at, at um, the, that royal official who trusted Jesus. I look at the widow who, who trusted God and, and gave everything. And I look at them and I go, man, I wish I had their joy. I wish I had their enthusiasm for spreading the gospel. 
Now I can look back and I can say, well, I mean, of course they had that joy. Of course they had that enthusiasm. I mean, they had been waiting for the Messiah. They saw the Messiah. They, they encountered the angels firsthand. So of course they're off running around to tell people what they saw. But if you think about the shepherds, if you think about what happened, they actually had plenty of reason to keep their mouths shut. The first one is a reputation of a shepherd. So the shepherds were seen as, well, shady, untrustworthy people. Not someone who you're going to believe. Most likely if you see a shepherd, it's probably because they stole something from you and they're running away. Who's going to believe us? Yeah, we saw this amazing thing. We heard this amazing news, but we are just shepherds. They think we're thieves. They think that we're outcasts. Not only that, not only am I looked down upon because I'm a shepherd, but I have no education. Yes, I mean, I've, I've been told the Torah. I've, I believe the Torah. I believe the word of God, but I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not a scribe. I'm not a priest. I don't have all this great training. I didn't have some rabbi who said, come and follow me, and I get to follow them. I'm a shepherd. Imagine, if you will, that you're walking down the street and a homeless person runs up to you and tells you that Jesus has returned. Oh, an angel spoke to you in the middle of the night. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, thanks. And the fact is, even if these guys were not shepherds, even if these guys were not people who were looked down upon by society, they're trying to say, we had an encounter with an angel and then a sky full of angels. Now we look back at scripture and we go, well, yeah, that was something that kind of happened back then. But it didn't then. There were like hundreds of years. Old Testament, there's a lot of time, there's not a lot, there's a number of times in the Old Testament where, where God will speak to somebody. God will share a message with somebody. But very often, it's not a shepherd. It's not some lowly person like that. Yes, David was a shepherd but became the great king. But when God spoke, it was, it was to prophets. And it had been a long time. Now, truth is, God, sent, God, God spoke to Zechariah and, and God spoke um, to Mary and God spoke to Joseph, but these weren't like big broadcast things that everybody knew about. So you've got these lowly shepherds and they have met an angel and they have heard a message from an angel. Yeah, uh uh-huh. In the middle of the night out in the fields. Well, the second big reason why they would probably want to keep their mouths shut, why it would be very reasonable for them to do that, is because your message is insane. It doesn't make sense. See, there had been plenty of false messiahs. You know, these other people who claimed that they were the messiah, they were the one who was sent by God. Plenty of them had come, they had died, and they had gone, and that was it. Okay, you met another messiah, great, wonderful. Like, you know, today if someone, um, some cult person says, oh, I found the messiah, he's in, he's in South Korea. Yeah, no, he's not. We've heard that before. Yeah, okay, he's making predictions. Okay, guess what? He's gonna die and that's gonna be the end of the story. So one is, this is probably just another false messiah. Another is, this is a baby. Well, no, when the messiah comes, it's this king, right? Because the messiah, the savior, this one who God is sending is supposed to deliver us from, from the Romans. A baby is going to deliver us from the Romans? Doesn't quite add up. Oh, not only is he a baby, but he was born in a manger. He was born in a manger. He was born in Bethlehem, not in a palace in Jerusalem. The message doesn't quite add up for what everybody would be expecting. 
Oh, and by the way, this Messiah, this Savior, this Chosen One is the Lord himself. Yahweh has come. This was good news of great joy for the shepherds. This was the hope of Israel that had finally come true. This was peace with God and the restoration of the kingdom. But it was shocking and a rather unbelievable story to tell. Well, even if they get past all of these things, all these reasons why you don't tell somebody, logically you would think, okay, our shepherds, they get together, they go back home, they saw this thing, they were amazed, they were blown away by it. They go home, they go, okay, who are we going to tell? How are we going to tell people about it? Uh, we need to come up with a game plan for this kind of thing. Because guess what? Untrained, unprepared, ill-equipped for what they were supposed to do. No well-thought-out plan. These guys just went and told everybody. What if... And all the what-ifs can happen, right? When you think about going on a trip, when you think about going on a mission trip, when you think about going to serve somewhere, you're going, yeah, but what if? And what if when I go to, to talk to this person, um, I mean, I'll tell you, one of the reasons why I go to McDonald's and, and Dunkin' is so that I can have conversations with people, just people who don't go to church necessarily. So you go to these places and you have these conversations and you go, yeah, but what if? What if they ask about a really tough thing? What if they come up with all these things? What if they ask me about some Bible verse I don't know? What if, what if, what if? Well, 33 years after the birth of Jesus, 33 years after the angels spoke to the shepherds, Jesus would speak the words that became one of my favorite Bible verses, Acts 1.8. Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God doesn't call us to be experts. God calls us to be witnesses. That's it. For the shepherds, instead of getting bogged down in fear and doubt and what if, instead of listing off all the reasons why they weren't the ones to share the message, the joy of the good news just overflowed. Like my cup runneth over, that kind of thing, where they just, they couldn't help it. They were so joyed. They were so excited. Is joy a word? It is, sure. They were so overjoyed, they were overflowing with joy. This good news that they had heard about, that they had been told about, that they had encountered these angels they saw firsthand, they couldn't help themselves. They just ran off and told everybody that they met exactly what had happened, exactly what had been told them. And what happened? We're told that the people were amazed. Now, amazed can mean different things. It can be blown away, it can be impressed, it can be skeptical, but the whole thing is going, this is a big deal. So when the shepherds went and they told everybody, we don't know that everybody said, wow, this is amazing, I wanna go follow Jesus as a Messiah. But what we do know is that they were faithful and they went out and they shared the gospel and they didn't have this need to go, well, I better do everything perfect, everything complete and have all the answers and all these kind of things. What they did was they shared their story. They were witnesses to what had happened, and it made people wonder. It made people amazed, think, is this the one? Could this be the Messiah? Could this be true? Well, the final thing that the shepherds did is they went home and they worshiped God. Everything they had seen, everything that they had heard, everything that they encountered, going and seeing Jesus, it changed them, and it drew them to worship. 
You know, I think I've always liked the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but again, it's just one of those great Christmas songs that I've sung over and over again, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful, and like I said, it's a song at the end of Charlie Brown Christmas, and it's wonderful. But this Advent, as we have been looking at some of the songs of Christmas and, and how do they reflect Scripture, the more I read it, the more I think about it, the more I like it. I love that there's joy to it. It's, it's a happy song. It's a joyful tune. But the words are deep and profound. And it tells, actually, when you look at the words, again, it tells so much of the story of the gospel. I think that all of us this Christmas time want to make Christmas more about Jesus. You know, we, we see all the, all the stuff out there and we go, it just feels like there's less and less Christmas and there's less and less Jesus that is there. If I really want to say, you know, let's make Christmas about Jesus, let's put Christ back in Christmas, okay, what does that look like in my life? Now what? What am I going to do with that? Now, the now what that it can be is I can argue with people and tell them you should say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays and I can get offended and I get upset or I can worship Jesus Christ. If I truly want to make sure Christmas is about the birth of Jesus in my life, one of the greatest things I can do is worship God. And I can do that as I sing and as I live out the words of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Listen again. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. You hear that? I mean, you've, you've, you've got the gospel. You've got reconciliation between us and God. Joyful, all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. We're, we're full of joy. Share in that joy. Join the triumph of the skies of the angels. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Let's pray. Father, we want to join our voices with the angels. We want to join our voices in our lives with those shepherds who were so overjoyed. The joy of those angels as they were singing in heaven as they were raining down their voices the good news of your birth. The joy of those shepherds as they heard that message and went out and shared the gospel. They went out, they ran off to go see when you were born. The joy as they told people, the joy as they came back to their normal lives changed people the joy as they worshiped you, the joy as they celebrated the birth of the Messiah, of Christ the Lord. Lord, help us to experience that joy. Help us to enjoy this time of year. Help us to move beyond all the busyness, all the things we have to get done and to enter in, to worship you, to sing your praises, to join our voices with the angels. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.